You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. All right, church. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word with you, I'd like to invite you to join me in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, no worries. You can take that Black Pew Bible right in front of you. Turn to page 979. You'll be able to follow along with us as we, as we read from God's Word today. So, in my almost 13 years of, of marriage and 10 years of having kids, I've learned a couple things. A couple, just, I've learned a lot of things. But one in particular um, is that we travel differently with a herd of kids. The Mel and I travel by ourselves. Uh, everything is harder with kids. Everything. Um, the amount of things you pack when it was just Mel and I going to her parents' house is way different than when you're packing for four little ones. And Mel's mindset, which I am super thankful for, Melanie is from an hour south of Buffalo, New York, like middle of snow country, um, and um, in the middle of nowhere. And so when you travel, every time you get in your car, you are literally taking your life in your hands. I mean, like I grew up suburbs of Philadelphia, like there were things everywhere. And so getting in your car was fine. You can go travel in the snow, not a big deal. Um, you travel out, out their way, out by Delavan, and you need to pack for everything. Every time you get, you get in your car, like you need snow boots, water, some kind of heat source, some kind of food. Um, um, extra clothes, whatever it may be, everything there. I've seen, I've seen people have little things where you can cook ramen in just to have some kind of food source there, but they do it because you have to. Um, so every time that we pack for our kids to go, to go on a trip, even tomorrow, Mel, Mel and the kids are going up to Buffalo to see her parents. Mel's going to pack everything. Mel's going to make sure she's got, and with kids, you're thinking about medicine, you're thinking about music boxes, snacks, extra clothes, snow gear, the whole nine yards. You know, about a month ago, remember that thing that happened down, down in Virginia on the I-95? That would not happen to us. We'd be good. I know a lot of those people were just traveling to the mall or going to the store, so you're not packing all of those things, but I think, I think we'd be okay probably for at least a good day. We have some kind of snacks and maybe a show or two on our phone and an iPad. We probably survive all right. But we've seen something within this study that we've done so far on the armor of God. And the thing that we've seen is that God has provided for us everything that we need to win this spiritual battle that we're in. I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in verse 10 where he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In verse 11, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand against the schemes of the devil. Paul isn't saying here, go out there and give it your best shot and see what happens. Paul is saying, God has provided something for you. I've given you everything that you need to win this battle against the devil, the spiritual battle that every follower of Jesus is in. And so far in our study, we've seen that every piece of armor is a blessing or a virtue of God that he provides for his people. We see that God has given us the belt of truth to build our lives upon, the firm foundation of God's word. And we're going to go back to that and see how that is linked to, to our study today. He's given us a breastplate of righteousness 
to protect our hearts with the righteousness of Christ. Last week, Pastor Mike talked about that God has given us the shoes of peace. And we, we were, were reminded that we have been given peace with God and we can now experience a peace of God. God has given us those things so that we can withstand against the evil schemes of the devil. And today we're, today we're going to continue our study in the series by talking about the fourth piece of armor that Paul talks about, the shield of faith. Join me in verse 16. Ephesians 6, 16, it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. We're just going to cover this one verse today, but something that, a couple things that, when we just look at this verse, a few things that I just want to point out from the very beginning. First is that word all. You see it used twice in this verse, right? In all circumstances. So Paul is saying whatever the shield of faith is, in every single circumstance, in every single situation, whatever Satan throws our way, this shield of faith is what we're going to see in just a few moments. This applies to every instance and area of our lives. So it says, in all circumstances. Then it says later on in the verse, it can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. What Paul is saying is that the shield of faith can be used in every area of our life, but the shield of faith is also, a, is also able and has the capability of shooting down and extinguishing anything Satan throws your way. So if this is something that involves every area of our life and has the ability to, to extinguish everything that, that Satan throws at us, we need to pay attention and need to understand what it does and how we use it appropriately. And the thing that I want, that we're going to go back to a few times, simply is this, is that faith is bringing God into a battle Satan wants you to fight alone. That faith. Satan wants you, you and I, to fight by ourselves. To say that we can handle it. To say that I don't need someone to stand in front of me. But faith, as we're going to see, says... God is saying, I'm willing, I'm ready, and I'm able to stand in front of you to be your shield today. So faith is bringing about bringing God into a battle. Satan wants you to fight alone. So throughout our time today, I want to just answer two simple questions. One, what is faith? What, I mean, we need to understand what, what exactly faith is dealing with. And the second one we're going to get to afterwards is what can faith accomplish? So the first thing simply is, what is faith? That word faith is, can picture so many other things in so many different areas of our lives. But faith simply is this. Faith is acting as if God is telling the truth. It's all faith is. Faith is acting as if God is telling the truth. Faith is a response to a revealed truth. It's knowing something about God, learning something about God, and saying, I'm going to then act upon it. See, a lot of faith is used oftentimes in the Bible, and people have these other ideas as well. Some people view faith as historical faith. It's, I believe the facts of the Bible. I believe that God's word is true. That isn't what Paul is referring to here. While it's part of it, it's not the full thing. Some people think faith is saving faith. It's, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross in my sins, uh, died on the cross for my sins in my place and rose from the dead three days later, and I am placing my faith and trust in what he has done to save me. 
Well, that's part of it. It's not all of it. See, because the Apostle Paul is already right, especially in, in this book of Ephesians, Paul already talked about saving faith, Ephesians 1 and 2. Paul isn't saying here that you need more saving faith. Paul is saying something else. See, the faith that Paul is referring to here is a practical, everyday, trusting faith. It is believing and taking God at his word and then acting upon it. It is saying, I'm not going to rely on myself or my experience or my knowledge. Instead, I am trusting in God to give me the victory today. Faith is taking God at his word and living like he's going to do what he says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, this great chapter on faith, begins the chapter by saying, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See, there, there's also something else about faith that, that we need to understand. Faith oftentimes means that I believe something about God, about who he is, what he has promised, something that he has promised in my life without actually seeing it yet. If a reality is there, something's going on in your life, that's not faith. That's just reality. Faith is saying, even though I don't see something yet, I'm going to act like it's going to happen. As yesterday, I was driving home from, from the, the men's retreat uh, yesterday evening. And for the guys, you guys who were there, it was awesome. Really, really good time of encouragement. But as, as, as I was driving down the Casey Highway, which is like the wild west of highways around here, I feel like. Dri like driving up the Casey Highway in the morning, cars were everywhere. Like I'm used to driving on, on, like on 81. 81's fine too, but I was like, I'm not sure if I should be driving on this road right now. But driving home... Um, you're kind of cut, cutting through, through the mountains there. The sun was setting, and I knew that I was coming around a mountain. I was going to make, make a left-hand turn, and I knew that the moment that I did that, that sun was going to be in my eyes. And so before I made that turn, I put the visor down to protect myself, knowing that the sun was coming. Guys, faith is like that. Faith is, is like that. Even though I don't see God working yet, even though I don't see or feel God's hand moving in my life, I know he will. And so I'm going to act like he's going to act. That's what faith is, guys. Faith is taking God at his word. And the, those other aspects of faith, they're good, and there's part of it, but what Paul is getting at here, he wants us to have a confidence that God is going to do what he says. All right, so that, that's what faith is. So what does faith accomplish? What actually does faith do? And this is where the shield of faith really comes into play here. So let, let me just break down what, what the shield of faith is. See, there are two types of shields that a Roman soldier used um, back when, when this was written. The first was like the typical Captain America shield. How many of you guys know, have seen Captain America, love Captain America, you know that is that small, rounded kind of shield where it, you know, it's super, um, you can move it around a lot, you can throw it, you can do a bunch of stuff with that. All right, that is not what Paul is referring to here. Sorry, Captain America, you didn't make the cut. The Roman soldiers also used the, this other shield. This is oblong, it's about four feet tall and about two and a half feet wide. 
It, it was wooden with, with metal brackets on the ends that hold everything in place, and they had animal skins uh, around that wood as well to, to give some extra padding and protection. The Roman soldiers would only use this in very specific circumstances. Um, typically when they were advancing on, on an enemy. And so what would happen, in, in those days a lot of enemies, as they, as they saw an army coming in, people that were defending, they, they, would, they would have archers, and they would take arrows, and they would dip it in pitch or tar, light those arrows on fire, and shoot it into this, this advancing army. So, and when that would happen, these soldiers would actually kneel down behind the shield and wait until the enemy's arrows, the quivers were empty, and the arrows stopped coming. If any of you have seen the movie uh, 300 or any of these Roman movies, sometimes they would do something called, they would create a phalanx, where they would actually link their shields together, some in front, some on every side, and some on top. And so they were, they were, they were basically a, a moving tank before tanks existed. The, to, to shelter them from everything that was being shot their way. This is the kind of shield that Paul is referring to here. A shield that you stand behind. That, that gives you ultimate protection. What, what we see here is that from, from, the, from Ephesians 6.16, this shield will basically do two things. The first one, as we just mentioned, the shield protects us from attack. See, one, one, of the, one of the ways that the, that the enemies, the hope, when they shot those fiery arrows at, at this army moving forward was that, that, they, that it would hit the shield, cause the shield to catch on fire, and the, the soldier holding that shield then, then had a choice to make. Am I going to hold on to, to the shield and burn myself up, or am I going to drop the shield and become open to, to other attacks? So their hope was is that the shield begins to catch on fire, that person begins to panic, the shield is dropped, now they're open to get, get hit by another arrow. And when, when you talk about this within the spiritual realm of things, what Satan does often is that he will hit us with one thing, to lose, to shake our confidence in who God is and what God says he will do, so that it then opens us up to other attacks. How many guys can kind of you know, say, I, I've experienced this. You know, sometimes God will God hit you with something, whether it's a physical sickness, whether it's some kind of tangible thing, you lose your job, you're in a financial crisis, and then at that moment, when you begin doubting God, that's when he hits you with something else on top of that. Those moments where your faith is already shaky in who God is and what he can do, he waits for that exact moment, well, now let, let me hit him with this as well. That's how Satan operates. There's something else about arrows, too. Sometimes you can't even see them coming. They're silent. They will hit you out of nowhere when you least expect it. Satan knows what he's doing, and he wants us to shake, shake our confidence. And so I just want to briefly touch on three ways that, that I've seen Satan attack me in my own life, and I've seen Satan do it to other people as well. And the first, thing, the first way that Satan attacks us is that Satan tries to stir up doubt. Satan often attacks us by bringing trials in our lives to cause us to doubt something about God. When you get that phone call that no one wants to hear that there's cancer. Satan wants you to doubt his goodness. 
Satan wants you to doubt God's provision when you lose your job. Satan wants you to doubt God's power when a relationship you've invested in falls apart. And oftentimes, all it takes for many of us believers who are trying to do things on our own without God's help is that one crisis moment in your life and everything else falls apart around you. All of your confidence that you've had in the Lord falls apart. But while Satan wants to stir up doubt, faith says that God hasn't left his throne. When Satan wants you to believe that everything is out of control and God doesn't have have your life in the palm of his hand, faith says God hasn't left his throne at all. God hasn't moved, even though it feels like he has. See, faith says that God hasn't left his throne no matter the situation. Faith says that this isn't the end, no matter the circumstances. In times where where I feel like my life is falling apart, there's a few passages that, that, that I run to over and over again. One is Psalm 46. It says, my, the Lord is my refuge and strength, very present, help in trouble. And even though the mountains are falling apart and my life seems to be falling apart around me, God hasn't moved. Another portion, uh, Steve Nunemaker mentioned it this morning. Um, Psalm, Psalm 100, where it goes on and says that we are made by God, we are his people. And that God is good no matter what. And that I can sing his praises because I am known and loved by God. See, a lot of times, oftentimes in Satan's attacks, he wants us to forget those truths. He wants us to forget those, those things. And Steve reminded us this morning, listen, there are certain things that has, just have to be automatic for us as believers. One of those things being that God is good. Even when I doubt his goodness. Even when I can't see him working yet. Even though I'm behind that mountain and I haven't made the corner to see, to see the sun yet, I know that he's there. And I know that sooner or later I'm going to see him again. So faith reminds us that God hasn't moved, that God is still on his throne. Another way that Satan attacks us is that Satan tempts us to sin. See, another way that that Satan operates is that he sees when we're overextended, when we're exhausted, um, when there's been some kind of crisis in our lives. Satan will often begin whispering in, in, in our hearts. I know God's word says this, but look at this over here. Wouldn't this be nice to have? Wouldn't, wouldn't this sin be, be nice to enjoy? You know, I know your marriage isn't working out the way that, that, it, that it is, and you have this rough patch right now in your life. But what about that coworker that seems really kind? No, what about, you know, God's word says to wait. Or God's word says in his timing he will give you these things, but it has to be done in his way. 
And the culture says it doesn't matter God's plan or God's ways. As long as you want to do something that's going to make you feel good, you go out and do it no matter what, no matter the consequences, because you're in control of your life, and, and your pleasure and your happiness is all that matters. We've all had those whispers in our hearts. And Satan says, God's ways are not good. And there's something better out there for you. And Satan tempts us to sin, tempts us to go away from God's ways and God's plans for your life. Let me tell you something about Satan. Jesus says that Satan's goal is to rob, steal, and destroy. To rob our happiness. To rob our holiness. To steal what God has best for our lives. And to, to destroy every single aspect of it. And he may this morning be tempting you, be that same whisper is in your ear, maybe right now. And Satan is saying, saying to you, just go do it. Maybe you're planning after church to go do something, to go indulge in some sin. And Satan's whispering, man, would this guy just shut up so you can get out of here and go, go to lunch or do whatever. But faith Faith says something different. See, faith says in the midst of temptation that God's ways will always satisfy more than sin. And when Satan attacks us and when, and when, when Satan is walking toward a certain way or pushing us toward a certain way, faith is saying God's word says something different. That God's word and God's way will satisfy you far beyond any sin that you will, that, that you will ever commit. See, faith reminds us that God satisfies the belonging soul with good things. Psalm 107.9. See, that the ways of the Lord are right. Hosea 14.9. That faith states that abundant life comes nowhere but at the feet of Jesus. John 10.10. So we fight temptation by reminding ourselves of truth and then acting upon that truth. That no, sin is not the way for, to, to satisfaction. That God does have something better. That God does have something else planned for your life. And, and God's best never involves going against God's plan. Faith is what fights Satan's temptation for, for us to, to sin. Satan, I'm just going to touch on one other thing that Satan does in his attacks. And the last thing is simply Satan accuses us of our past. See, one last way Satan attacks us is to bring up things that we've done within our lives, whether it was before we were saved or after we were saved. He'll bring up our past sins and question how we could ever be a child of God. He brings up our darkest moments and asks, how could God ever love you? How could God ever call you his own? Listen, I've walked through that accusation probably more than any other attack. But the truth of God's word and the truth of the gospel is that faith says that our sins have been paid for and forgiven. 
First John 1 John 1.9 says that whoever confesses our sins, he's faithful. Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 8, the verse that, would, that, that we read before, before we sang the last song, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Psalm 103.12 says that God removes our transgressions as far as from the east is from the west. So faith says when God sees his children, he doesn't see our sins. But, but he sees the righteousness of his son there. So when Satan hurls his fiery darts at us, we find our help and our protection in our Heavenly Father. See, all, all throughout Scripture, there's this picture of God literally being our shield. And as we, as we walk through what, what kind of shield that was, that oblong, that, that shield where the Roman soldiers would actually kneel down in protection, covering their whole entire being from from those fiery darts that, that the enemy shot toward their way, God is, God is promising that he will do the very same thing. Psalm 3, 3 states that God is a shield around us, our glory and the lifter of our heads. And God invites us. Another portion of the scripture, God invites and gives us this picture of like, like a mother hen who shields their chicks from, from the enemies, from the storm, from the weather, from the circumstances, God promises to do that for us as well. So the thing I love about this, if we see the shield not just as something that we take, but if it's literally God himself standing before us, he, he takes all of Satan's attacks. He's the one who is dealing with Satan, and all we see is between us and Satan is our Heavenly Father. And what, what Paul here is encouraging us to do by faith is to begin to believe certain things about our Heavenly Father. So instead of seeing Satan's attacks, we're seeing theological truth, truth from Scripture, truth from God's Word, truth of what God says about himself, truth about what God says about us. And so the way to fight against all of Satan's attacks, the way that faith protects us from attack is that we stand and we view and we, and we focus on the truth of God's word and we believe that it's going to be true. That is how faith protects us from attack. But church, not only does faith protect us from attack, faith also propels us to action. See, the, the, that specific occurrence where they used that long sword was, was always when they were advancing on an enemy. It was always when they were moving ahead in their battle plan. And church, Satan wants us so desperately not to use the shield of faith because he wants to keep us stalled in the same place we we're at spiritually. He doesn't want us to advance. He doesn't want us to move forward. Men, he doesn't want us to lead our homes well. Church, he doesn't want us to be a light into this community. Moms, he, he doesn't want you to be home and nurturing your kids and working alongside it and encouraging each other. He wants you to stay exactly where you're at right now. But faith propels us forward. 
the same chapter, Hebrews 11, that, that I mentioned earlier. This goes on over and over and over again. It says, by faith, people acted. It says, by faith, Noah, Noah built an ark when he had never seen rain before. And people thought he was insane. By faith, Abraham left his home country because God told him, I have something better for you. And he went. By faith, Abraham's wife, Sarah, had a baby when she was barren. And God said, a year from now, you will have a child. And it came true. By faith, Moses, when he was raised in the Egyptian culture, left all of that to to identify with God's people and eventually lead them out of Egypt. Faith always brings a response to action. So faith is what's going to propel us forward. And Satan wants us always to look at what what is. You may be thinking right now, listen, Dave, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know how many times I've failed. You don't know how hard the road would be for me to take a step of faith. But Satan wants us to look at what is. Faith is calls us to believe what could be. In, in Luke chapter 5, one of my favorites, just really just dialogues with, with Jesus and his disciples. Luke 5, Jesus' disciples were out fishing all night and caught nothing. They were struggling all night out, nothing at work. They had failed in their mission to, to catch fish that night, I'm sure they were wondering about how am I going to then provide for my family? How, I, how am I going to um, come home empty-handed? And Jesus meets his disciples on, on the shore and he says, cast, cast your nets one more time. And these fishermen who were career fishermen, grew up fishermen saying, this guy, this preacher who knows nothing about fishing wants us to cast our nets one more time. And I love what Peter says here in Luke 5, 5. Master, we've worked all nights. But at your word, I will let down the nets. It was, a, it was the wrong time to fish. They had failed before. But Jesus said to step out in faith. And the result of that, if you know the story, is that they had to bring in extra boats to contain all the fish. That the, the nets that they used were, were breaking because of the weight of the fish that they caught that day. But those three words, four words, but at your word, that's where everything changes. They had revealed truth and they acted upon it. So church, as we just finish up our time here today, let's go back to that one thing. That faith brings God into a battle. Satan wants you to fight alone. Satan wants you in the battlefield without a shield, without, without truth to lean on, without, without encouragements to keep you moving forward. Satan wants you out there alone. But the moment that you begin believing and taking God at his word, Everything changes. Everything. So we are in the struggle of our lives, but we are not fighting alone. See, faith brings the truth about God, his power, and his promises to protect us from attack. 
and propel us into action. So the only thing left for us to do is to take up our shield. Ephesians 6, 16, take, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Just pick it up. Put it in your hands. And use it. And as I just invite the praise team up, I just want to leave you with one final thought. A lot of this is overwhelming. A lot of this is, I have so many areas where I failed in trusting God. Let me just leave you with this one thing. That trusting God in all things, which we are called to do in all circumstances, begins with trusting God in one thing. Trusting God in every area of your life begins with trusting God in one area of your life. So I'm not sure what that one area is for you. And I don't need to name all these examples. You know where you need to take your next step of faith. I'll leave you with one more promise. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. It's a promise of God that we can take to the bank today. So let's begin trusting God with that one thing in your life. Let me pray for you, and then we will sing one more song. So Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your goodness and for your kindness to us, Lord. God, I thank you for that you have not left us empty-handed to fight against the attacks of Satan on our own. But God, you have and you have offered to stand before us and between us to take Satan's attacks. You've already won, God. And to remind us, Lord, of the power that we have as one of your children. So, God, I just pray for me and I pray for our church, God, as we take those next steps of faith, whatever that may be for them. Lord, that they wouldn't be discouraged, that they would be emboldened, Lord, by the goodness of you and the richness of your word and the, and the truth that we find there. And that, God, Lord, that they would just leave it in your hands and act as if you're going to work on their behalf. God, it says, Lord, that the righteous shall live by faith. And I pray, Lord, that's beginning with this group, this family here, that would be what, what, what we'd be known for, people who live by faith. And, God, we look forward to the things that you're going to do through it. I pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.